And welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines here with Zach Neufeld. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the triathlon season in full swing, it's time to ask yourself that question. Are you getting the results you want? TriJoy can help. Let's have a chat, look at those results, set some goals, and work to achieve them. See the TriJoy link on the FitSpeak homepage. We're also brought to you by Wenting Cycling Mission. Here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Thomas. Once again, the Wenting's Word of the Week is Thomas. Mention that word to the staff the next time you are at Wenting's and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. One more time, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Thomas. On our program this time, Between the Ears, Zach Neufeld delves into spirituality to help you sustain training motivation over the long term. We have a chat with ultra-endurance athlete Chad Bentley, who's doing the Epic Five in Hawaii later this month. I'll have your upcoming event schedule, and we'll have our final installment of Vince Speaks. And welcome to the roundtable section. This is Fitspeed 40. Wow, we've done like four 10-packs of these. Coming to you at uh, 8 o'clock in the evening. It's the 1st of August. Zach Newfeld is with me. I'm Kevin Hines. Where is that other Kevin? Kevin Watt. Do you have any... Kevin uh, Watt. I haven't seen him tonight yet. Apparently, he's uh, he's deserted us again, as, as he has once in a while. Um, this time, his excuse is that he is at the Festival of Lights, opening event for that, somewhere in Vancouver. So... Apparently we're not important enough. We're gonna we're gonna find out <laughs> about what he's really doing because he posts everything to Facebook anyway. So uh, Kevin, if you're listening, we we're on to you. So uh, we've got a pretty neat program coming up. Zach has been slaving away on his between the ears feature. As we were saying a little bit earlier, he's featuring spirituality in his between the ears. How uh, successful athletes use three components to achieve consistency in training over long periods of time. Uh, speaking of training and the results of training, results of training came up all over the weekend. We had a big racing weekend here in Western Canada. We're going to start things off. We usually don't cover races outside of the province, but because some local athletes did, uh, did rather pretty darn well, we'll start with the ITU Series race in Edmonton. And in Edmonton, we had Jen Morose out of Vancouver coming second in the Olympic distance race in the uh, female 30 to 34 category she came in second only 10 seconds back of the winner that's itu racing it's down to the finish line also coming in second in his itu race also in edmonton jen's boyfriend we can say that i think uh winston gao and he came in second in the 30 to 34 male category and once again he was only 10 seconds back of the winner people in third were like five minutes back but they uh they had a pretty stellar performance speaking of stellar performances over the weekend we also had the fifth ironman canada race being held in whistler and this year the conditions were just brutal zach i know you and i did this race two years ago and uh you know the weather when we did it was i mean we thought it was hot but obviously uh nothing like no. what they experienced um, a couple of days ago out in whistler so we have some local finishers uh craig premack a guy who's been a fit speaker host uh, guest rather many times he did his second iron man um he was smart about it took his time and he managed to uh to get her done and not dnf and we had a couple of first time iron man finishers from the community of mission we had andrew from mission and along with andrew his uh training partner david bain david came in just a wee bit ahead of andrew in a time of 1435 also a shout out to dan heath He's from Chilliwack, and he came in just under the wire in 15 hours and 46 minutes. Um, while somebody had to win the race, and this time it was Brett McMahon, the F2C and life sport coached athlete from Lance Watson. He came in in a kind of slow 8.31, considering McMahon has gone 7 hours and 40 minutes in an Ironman race, kind of speaks to the conditions of the day. 
Coming in second, our good friend and our FitSpeak guest, Jeff Simons, nine minutes back in a time of 8.40. Matt Russell rounded out the top three in a time of 8.45. He was the lone American. And our FitSpeak guest, Nathan Killam, clawed his way up into the top ten. He came in second, or rather seventh overall in a time of nine hours and nine minutes. A few other shout-outs to round things off. Doing her very first half Ironman race, a tough course on a tough day, but Jen Burns from Abbotsford came in just a little over six hours, and also doing that race was Stephen Lazar. And I understand Zach's been uh, doing some planning, some scheming, some signing up for races, and some uh, race preparation with some high-tech equipment. Yeah, just tonight I was um, got to use my disc wheel cover. So what is that for the folks who don't know what a disc wheel or a disc wheel cover is, Zach? It's, um, well, a cover disc wheel is um, the cheaper option, which yeah. you, comes with little snaps and things like that, and you do have to take off the, what's that called? The cogs, right? Yeah, the cog yeah, set for it. The cog set for the bike, so I got that put on and um, didn't get out till tonight, but I was really happy to get out tonight and use that a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not, if I'm right, when you're going into the wind, it can make you go faster. Is that correct? um, The side winds, uh, you can actually use it as a bit of a sail, and if you can uh, manage handling the bike, it'll work as an advantage also on the side winds. So the results of that high technology, I think it was a $120 investment, basically two hunks of plastic you put over your wheel, will make you faster. And if you want to get a disc wheel cover, it is wheelbuilder.com. They do a great job. And even in Canada, you send that thing, uh, you'll get it in three days. So uh, disc wheel covers available at wheelbuilder.com. What else is on the go there, Zach? Um, Other than that, uh, training, lots of running. Um, Looking forward to my Valley Verticular uh, debut, I guess I could say. I've never done it before. So this is happening in the fall now. This is Uh, happening in the fall. Two different distances. Which distance are you doing? I'm doing the 16K. 16K, Which I think is the Red Frog. The Red Frog, yes. I'm trying to remember. Yes, very cute. So I, I may be... I want to get first place. That's basically that's my plan. The bar has so been set high. So show up and watch me win, people. And watch his feet bleed. NBC will probably not be there. CBC won't be there. Thousands of cheering spectators won't be there. But then again, Chad Bentley's never been one for big crowds and the hoopla that surrounds the finish line at big Ironman-type races. To him, it's always been about the getting there that's the big attraction. Chad doesn't fit the typical triathlete stereotype either. Over 6 feet tall and weighing 215 pounds at race weight, Chad looks more like a rugby player. And that's because he was a rugby player, playing for a club in Abbotsford before suffering a career-ending injury. Not only is Chad a bit bigger than most triathletes, he's also into doing things that are um, a bit bigger as well. After doing a half Ironman as his first ever triathlon, one year later, Chad did his first Ironman. After a few of those, he really decided to challenge himself and entered in the Ultraman Triathlon a three-day event that features a 10K swim and a 150-kilometer bike the first day, a 270-kilometer bike on day two, and a grueling 84-kilometer double marathon as icing on the pain cake for day three. Now, how can you top something like that? Chad has found a way. Later this month, Chad will be traveling to Hawaii to be the first Canadian to participate in the 8th Annual Epic 5 Triathlon. Five Ironman races on five Hawaiian islands on five consecutive days. What drives a guy to do this stuff? How do you train for this thing? What do you eat? Drink? Well, let's find out as we get to know Chad Bentley. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of FitSpeak. This time we're coming to you from our 
Penticton Studios. It's a beautiful, uh, albeit a little bit warm afternoon here in the sunny Okanagan, 30, 31 degrees. And with us today is a guy who's done almost everything triathlon related. He's went through the ranks. He's done Olympic distance triathlons. He's done Ironman distance triathlons. He's done the Ultra 520. He's represented Canada at the Ultraman World Championships in Hawaii. He's a father, he's a parent, he's a business person. Steve King tells me that he's the resurrector of the Skaha Lake <laughs> Ultra Swim. Uh, his name is Chad Bentley, and he's up to some pretty ambitious things, including being with us here on a Saturday. Welcome to Fitspeak, Chad. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. So the usual question we like to get started, um, it's a beautiful day. How have you spent your Saturday afternoon here in Penticton? Well, today I, uh, I uh, jumped on the bike, and, and I confessed to you earlier, I actually mm -hmm. jumped on uh, an indoor trainer for a couple hours. Uh, I got a late start, so uh, I had to uh, sneak the, you know, maximize my time, because I had to spend a little bit of time with the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, so I jumped on the bike for a couple hours, and got out for an hour run in the heat, so that was good. How did the heat feel to you today? It, it felt pretty good. I, I've been getting used to it. I've been spending quite a bit of time up here training, so mm -hmm. it, it's still hot and it's a little bit smoky, but uh, it feels good. It does. I have to get ready for Hawaii. Yes, you're going to tell us all about that big plan called the Big Five. But before you got into triathlon, what sort of sports did you do growing up as a kid, Chad? Uh, growing up, I, I did the traditional stuff. I played uh, minor hockey, so I, I think I, I packed in hockey when I was about 16. Uh, and uh, at, the, at the same time, I was playing high school rugby. And uh, from then, from there, I went from high school rugby into club rugby. And I uh, took a career-ending injury with an anterior cruciate ligament tear. What happened? Uh, I was running into a, into a ruck and went knee-on-knee knee with somebody and oh. hyperextended my knee and, mm -hmm. and snapped my, uh, my anterior cruciate ligament and uh, tore a lot of my meniscus. So I think I ended up having one reconstruction. I think I had five scopes oh my on my right knee. So, uh, yeah, so that was, that was the end of my, my contact sport days, you know, after I had to take a year off work, <laughs> that was it. And where was home for you originally, Chad? I grew up, I was born and raised in Abbotsford. Abbotsford. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm from the Fraser Valley. So, uh, yeah, played for Abbotsford, uh, minor hockey and, and, uh, and played for the Abbotsford Rugby Club. Any brothers or sisters into sport as well? Yeah, well, you bet. I have I have two brothers, so they grew up playing. You know, bigger hockey. brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. Oh, okay. They're both so bigger than me, but yeah. Oh, both bigger. <laughs> so you're the middle guy. I'm the, I'm the runt of the family. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they they both played hockey and stuff as well, and uh, you know, they're both fathers and their kids are into sports, and yeah, so it was good. I wasn't always. Uh, I didn't always live the healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, after I took that that injury in rugby. I I uh, kind of went on a little bit of a downhill slide as far as uh, uh, drinking too much alcohol and and consuming uh, uh, far too many cheeseburgers mm -hmm. and you know so I went into a little bit of a rut for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. You know it's a, it, when you do love athletics and 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 then you're you kind of stop playing. It, it you do suffer. You know, uh, some mental blocks, that's mm. for sure. So you gained yeah. a bit of weight and lost a bit of motivation. What yeah. drew you to the sport of triathlon? I uh, had a friend in 2003 that was training for Ironman Canada. And what and was your friend's name? His name's Tim Wittig. Okay. Yeah. Abbotsford guy? No, he lives in, uh, he's from Ontario originally, but he lives in Vancouver. If you ever remember uh, drinking Shaftesbury beer, yes, he started that cream ale. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, he used the brainchild behind mm. that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I met him in 2003. Uh, it was through my wife's friend, and it was the very first Ironman that I'd ever met. And I was, I was just in awe of him. Like I, I couldn't believe it. Mm. You know that he was going to do this. So, uh, yeah, I always had it in the back of my mind. Geez, I'd love to do something like that someday. And, and you know, when I first met him, I, I was a pack a day smoker. Oh wow. Yeah, I got into smoking, and you know, so I was, I was probably around. I guess 30, 30 years old, I guess around that time. And uh, in 2006, he asked me if I wanted to do a half Ironman in a Soyuz. Start off with a half. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, uh, I, I, I agreed and, and uh, I ended up going out and doing the uh, Desert Half Ironman in 2006. And I'll ask you the silly question right now. Was it hot? 
It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I, I fell in love with it. Uh-huh. I did, yeah, I really did. Tell us about your day, your very first triathlon doing the desert half in the Soyuz. <laughs> it was really comical, actually. Well, he, my, my buddy Tim, he couldn't get the training in, so he, he actually ended up not doing it. So uh, another guy that I had met uh, at a Christmas party who was doing Ironman that year walked me through transition. He helped me set up and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I think I, I got about a month and a half worth of training in mm-hmm. prior to the race. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running a little bit and, and I had just got back from Tibet. I was trekking up to the Himalayas with, with a couple of buddies. That could have been good training or that could it have was. been crazy. Yeah, no, I felt pretty good. Yeah. And, and uh, so we uh, got into the water. I'd done a couple practice swims and, and got into the water and um, I ended up pulling off a, a sub 30 minute swim. Do you come from a swimming background? Well, I, I, I grew up with a swimming pool and I always told, tell people that I, I, I used to swim laps and train for hockey tryouts. So <laughs> I guess <laughs> and it, it works. Off. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I came out of, uh, came out of the water and I ended up in transition and there were a lot of bikes there. Mm. I was one of the first and I was actually, uh, my bike was with some elite guys. It was a championship race at the time. And, uh, I was like, wow. I, I, I didn't know I quite had that swimming, yeah. you know, uh, talent, I'll say. It's the only thing I've actually ever been naturally good at, to be honest. Some, some people have been in triathlon for 25 years and yep. have never swam under 40 minutes for a half. I remember. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely a talent there. Um, so, you come out of the water. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, you're you're in the top top part yep. of the race. Anyway, so you know, just struggled out to Karameas and back. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, the old Ironman course where you go up Richter Pass and you turn around in Karameas, and then you get to do it in reverse. Yeah, 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 which is just as tough, I hear. Yeah, it was it was super challenging, yeah. and, and I didn't find the ride that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. I forgot to mention that in my late teens and early twenties, I did get on a mountain bike now and again. So mm-hmm. I biking wasn't. It wasn't something that I had to, that I struggled with. Okay. Um, so I, I think I pulled off a three-hour ride. Yeah, for a course like that, that's pretty amazing considering it's your first first triathlon. Yeah, I actually don't know if I could do that today. <laughs> <laughs> Probably slower. But uh, then I got in the run and suffered. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I walked. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, great swimmer, pretty pretty decent. We we like to hear those. Uh, any <laughs> any adventure stories? What did you do to stay cool on the run? Because you're going to be doing a hot run in the future here. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of sponges, uh-huh. water over the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was. I struggled through it, and I got through it. And 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 once I fin- crossed the finish line, I remember Steve King was announcing. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm signing up for Ironman. Mm, so that was 2006. So yeah. it sounds like you signed up for Ironman for 2007. I did. Yeah, I spent the night in line like you used to have to. Yes, and, in and front of the lakeshore or whatever they're oh, calling yeah, it. Yeah, it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. you know a bunch of people camped out. You yeah. couldn't even watch the end of the race because you don't want to lose your spot behind. <laughs> Sense of community, right? Yeah. 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 So and I think it was it might have been the first year where basically you signed up quickly because they were doing something online. They gave you the sheet. You went home and you signed up online. Mm-hmm. So I think I probably could have spent the night in a bit with an, in an actual bed and still got oh, into the race. Nice, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I always tell people like, you know, I can remember sleeping in line, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, and I'm sure you've done that. And, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So it's. How did your first Ironman go? 2007. It was good. It, it Well, it, that 2007. Did, did you train for that a bit more oh, yeah, than I you did, did you six weeks? Yeah. I, I signed up uh, with the Tri-Cities Triathlon Club. Coquitlam? Yeah, it was out of Port Moody. I don't know if you ever met Pete Fargy, and okay. he had Try Three Sports. It was a little triathlon shop in Port Moody. In Port Moody. Yeah. Okay. That was kind of the clubhouse. And mm. I, I got to say that was one of my favorite times yeah. in triathlon. It was amazing. You know, met new friends mm-hmm. uh, every every Saturday. We were out for long rides. Sundays they did the long runs all around the Tri Cities area, mm-hmm. and uh, there were some really good triathletes in the Tri Cities, and there still is. Yeah, a lot of good athletes from there. And uh, it was just a blast. So yeah, I I I, I um, did a Mark Allen online coaching program. Uh huh. And that's what Pete used to do. So oh, Pete, okay. I talked to him about it. So I had a pretty good. I think I did eleven forty, eleven forty two or something in my mm. first. For your first, yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. And uh, you know, I'm a I'm a two hundred and fifteen pound guy when I'm in my race weight, pretty wow. much. So mm-hmm. the running, I, I I I don't. I'm not a fast runner. 
but you, you're get a through the, the strong others. runner, wise runner, learn how to pace yourself and you can, yeah. you can do that. Yeah. Had a good swim, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was, uh, that was good. So no, everything worked out well. And, and after that first one, you know, I was, I was hooked on, on the endurance athletics for sure. So yeah. then you decided, uh, how big of a gap was it from 2007 doing your very first Ironman to when somebody sowed the seeds of this this ultra long distance stuff yeah well the i knew one person that had that had done ultraman canada was lucy ryan she's a she's an amazing uh endurance athlete she's from Badwater. she's done lots of like 130 mile so i i kind of knew about it and then i read a book called finding ultra uh rich roll hmm. um this guy rich roll from california wrote a book called finding ultra and how he transformed his life getting into ultra distance athletics I read that book and I knew it was always on my mind. And then I decided in 2013, I'll go out and do Ironman Cozumel, do it Mm -hmm. as a qualifier, and then I'll apply for Ultraman Canada in 2014. What was it about Ironman that didn't satisfy you and pushed you to do an ultra? Because most people, you know, they'll do the sprints, they'll move through the ranks. Some people stop at stop rather at half Ironman. Some people do one Ironman and say enough bucket list done. Some people do multiple Ironman and leave it at that. But you're one of these like 0.05 percenters who who still take it to the next level and do these ultras. So what you know, what didn't uh, Ironman do for you that ultra seems to have satisfied? I don't know. It's just uh, with Ultraman, it's there's something about it that's kind of raw. Mm. You know, I don't know. It's not about, it's not about all the gear you have and, you know, and it's just at the end of the day, even the, the, the fuel you put in your body is just going to get you through. <laughs> so really it comes down to the, there's a whole mental aspect of it. I mean, it's there for Ironman as well, but you know, you've, you're a, you're an ultra vet yourself. I yeah. Mean, it's a, I call it ultra casualty, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a, it's a different, uh, it's a different feeling, those highs and lows. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, it's like in life, the, the, the darkness always goes away. Mm-hmm. So if you just, if you wait it out, life, it, or the, the, you'll come out of it, you'll get a bright patch, you'll yeah. be able to move forward again. And, and I think there's that, uh, there's a different sense of accomplishment when, uh, when you're done that, you know, crossing the finish line Ironman doesn't quite give you that. That's mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Well, it's, That's a, per- just for me. it's a personal, it's a personal thing. thing. Yeah. 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 And I don't care about the crowds. Mm-hmm. That, to me, I don't need, uh, I don't need, you know, hundreds or thousands of people lining a street to, mm-hmm. to have me cross the finish yeah. line. It's not about that. To me, it's, it's just about, uh, uh, just getting there and knowing the struggles I had. And mm-hmm. also it's an adventure. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you don't know. I mean, you, you could have a mechanical, you're, mm. you could be throwing up one minute and then you have to, you know, you have to get, you dig yourself out of that hole mm. and then you're moving again. So yeah. it's just, there's so many things that can come up. Yeah. And again, that happens in Ironman, but yeah. it, just at the ultra, it's, it's just, maybe it's a little bit, a little bit bigger. So you're a family guy and you made the transition from Ironman to Ultraman. Um, for the folks who are listening, who are contemplating doing an even longer distance race how did you make changes in your training when you went from Ironman to Ultraman you know the, the first year I did Ultraman Canada in 2014 I, I did some big training blocks nothing over you know maybe 23 hours was probably my biggest week okay. which is big yeah I only had in 2014 I only had one oh. young <laughs> child so it was a little bit easier uh-huh. Then I had my second child in 2015, so I took 2015 off. Yeah, wise decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think my wife would have been happy with that. And then in 2016, I had the two, but they're still fairly young. Um, but you have to cut fluff out. Like, you know, you can, you know, I went and got tested, you know, at peak. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can spend two hours climbing a hill in a certain zone, or you can go blast that zone. You know, it's that kind of thing, uh-huh. right? So I think I, I, I kind of adopted that a little bit. Plus, I talked to my coach and I say, listen, I've got two kids. I also work. I mean, I help run yeah. a business. Yeah, you have to pay those bills somehow, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, so it's just a matter of uh, making sure that, you know, that, that you're just maximizing your time. Every single minute, yeah. Every single mm-hmm. minute, exactly. Yeah. So, and then and the longer you do it, you know, so I've been doing this now for quite a while. 
I think your 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 big endurance engines there. Mm. I think you just need to kind of tune it up yeah. a little bit. So you know, so it's uh, last year, you know, for ultra, I probably spent you know an average fifteen hours a week well, training which is for it. Quite doable with you know a job, a family. Yeah, it is doable. It is. Now you're on the cusp of doing something even more awesomer. I know that's not grammatically correct, but it's an amazing. Uh, an amazing thing you've set up for yourself. It's called the Big Five. It's, it's called Epic Five. Epic Five. Yeah. And tell us about the Epic Five. Epic Five is uh, it's it's a race in Hawaii that was started in 2010 by uh, a guy by the name of Jason Lester and Rich Roll. They were the first two guys that went out to uh, attempt it. It's five Ironmans in five days on five different Hawaiian islands. So it starts in Kauai, then you go to Oahu, Molokai. Maui, and then you finish on the World Championship course in Kona. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's coming up this August. It runs from August 28th until September 1st. There's six of us doing it. Six. There was ten, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, training for stuff like this, yes. things come up. So I'm the only Canadian representing Canada again. Yeah, I'm actually I'm the first Canadian to enter into this race. Oh, okay. So a Canadian hasn't done Epic mm-hmm. Five yet, so it's kind of cool. So what was your motivation to get into the Epic Five? Well, I. I just was looking for something uh, a little bigger challenge mm-hmm. outside of the ultra i've done ultraman canada or sorry ultra 520 mm-hmm. ultraman canada it's the brand branding issue yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've done uh, i've done it three times here in penticton and then i did ultraman hawaii the world championships as well so i was just thinking oh what's a what's another you know what's a, what's another good a big event to do to challenge myself mm-hmm. and I think maybe I'll slow it down after this yeah um, and I'd read a book by the founder Jason Lester on epic five and, and I followed it before I know a couple other people that have done ultras with that have done it and uh, just intriguing it's not you know it's five Ironmans in a row there are plenty of people that can do that in our world Kevin right and the ultra world is lots of new, but it's the logistics that goes along with it yeah. so it really is an adventure mm-hmm. you know you're packing your bike up every night after yeah. you're racing so your crew you bring a crew with you and yeah. so you gotta pack your bike up and who's they, your crew uh, Lucy Ryan okay Kevin, yeah, surrounding yourself with awesomeness yeah she's the crew captain and mm-hmm. I crewed for her in 2013 in Ultraman Canada mm-hmm. so she said she's she's uh, more than happy to come over and, mm-hmm. and uh, take on this because it's going to be a challenge for the crew. Yeah. And then uh, Matt Hill, you know Matt? Matt? Yeah. He, he's crewed for me at three ultras now. Friend Rich, he crewed for me last year at Ultraman or Ultra Five Twenty, and his wife Dana. Mm-hmm. So and they're they're friends. So the four of them are coming down, mm-hmm. and uh, then my wife will fly over on the thirtieth with the kids. You know, drive around and. Mm-hmm watch me do that one but other than that it's not a very spect- spectator friendly race so or i wouldn't even call it a race well it's an challenge. event for sure challenge event however you yeah. want to slice it it's uh it's amazing uh to just be part of that so in addition to actually doing it showing up putting in the distance you're also uh working for a few charities along with that yeah you know i crossed a few finish lines and and uh you you're 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 on a high for a little while from crossing these finish lines. Mm-hmm. I love the feeling after on the Monday night after crossing the finish line <laughs> at Ultra 520. It goes away after a while. I don't know. You almost go into a little bit of a depression in a way. I don't know. It's, Absolutely. That yeah. happens with a lot of endurance sports athletes. I was talking to folks who have been, you know, dedicated marathon runners and you invest so much time and, you know, for, for what it's worth, all the sacrifice you put into this specific event and then when you do it regardless of whether you get your goal or you don't there's that there's that void after you've done it and uh, yeah it is a feeling of a postpartum iron manner i think yeah so you decided to bring yeah, well, along some causes yeah so i thought you know what maybe i should just try for a little bit of a legacy from mm. this you know, it's, it, it can become a selfish sport if, if, if you, all you make it about is crossing a finish line. Yeah. It becomes selfish because yeah. you're taking away from your time you spend with your kids and your wife and, and even work. Mm. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. It all kind of suffers yeah. for a few months a year. So I decided to uh, attach uh, five charities to it. Okay, tell us about those. So the first first charity is Canuck Place. And uh, just to um, um, clarify, these, these charities are all to do with uh, kids living in poverty or with critical illness. Okay. So Canuck Place is a hospice. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, self-explanatory. Um, island number two is CNIB Youth Programs. Um, so it's want to raise a few bucks so we can, you know, send a couple of people to a camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stats are pretty 
pretty um, pretty terrible with sight impaired kids. They're 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 at risk of living in poverty. Mm. You know, they don't learn to be self sufficient if they don't get to go to these camps and be exposed mm. to uh, different things, different uh, teachings, and all that kind of stuff. Island three or charity number three is the Millipede Project, and my wife uh, Mary Jo. Uh, she started this uh, charity herself. The Millipede Project. Yeah, so What's she's that? raising um, enough money to buy 500 pairs of shoes for kids living in poverty to go back to back to school shoes. It's so this is British Columbia based. Yeah, it's all BC based. Okay. It's all Vancouver BC mm. based. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then number four was uh, now I'm drawing. Oh, Minerva BC. What's that? It's uh, their Indigenous roots. It's uh, women in leadership. Okay. But it's indigenous roots, and I, and I work with a lot of, uh, uh, I do a lot of indigenous relations in my my day job, mm. and uh, and you see that uh, there's a lot of struggles in the family, and I think if you have, you know, strong indigenous women mm. or strong indigenous girls that are that that they get trained in leadership, mm. it could really pay off down the road in in the families and. You know, I don't even know how you could put a, a, a value, a yeah. monetary value on it, or it's more of a social aspect of it. But it could really be, uh, you know, some big differences inside the Indigenous family. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a great one. And and, uh, and we know a woman that works there, and, mm-hmm. and they, they were asking if we would support them. And, and I absolutely believe in it. it was, and that's fantastic. called the Minerva? It's Minerva BC. Okay. And then it's their Indigenous Roots Program. Okay. So it's their, they send uh, young Indigenous women between the ages of 12 and 19 to uh, leadership programs, mm-hmm. camps, and all that. So it's it's great. And then uh, charity number five is Terry Fox Foundation, okay, and it's yeah. profile, so it's all about focusing on pediatric cancers. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd leave that one for, you know, kind of think about it on day five. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, it's, be you know, for obvious reasons, it's, yes. it's a motivation there because of Terry. Yes. So, and we're having a little fundraiser at our house on August 15th. And, okay, uh, August and, 15th. Uh, mm-hmm. Terry's brother's coming, so that's cool. uh, now, will he be done the Terry Fox 360? Because he's I, got that big ride coming up yeah. sometime. In, or is it late August or early September? I know sometimes that they've moved the dates around, but yeah. that number uh, of people has uh, risen considerably. It started off a couple of years ago, and I know he had maybe maybe a dozen people, and now we've got a lot of people from uh, Phoenix Velo Cycling Club in Abbotsford and Mission who are doing it so it's taking off so uh, yeah so daryl yeah. is uh definitely uh taking care of business and building the legacy that uh, of course uh his brother terry set off on yeah well, they definitely got the endur- endurance gene eh? mm, absolutely <laughs> yes <laughs> terry's like the original ultra runner. <laughs> yes <laughs> so no so it's yeah so it, all those charities it's just a motivation so if anybody wants to donate they can go on to uh my website it's plantslifesports.com and go to the donate page, and it's all set up through Van City uh, Community Foundation. Oh, so okay. you donate, you get an instant tax receipt. Awesome. So tell us that one more time. It's at plantslifesports.com. Okay. And then, yeah, go to the donate page, and it goes through the end Mary Jo Dion uh, fund, and then automatically generates a tax receipt. So it's anything, $10. Five dollars, ten dollars, okay. fifty, all counts. thousands, whatever you have. <laughs> okay, plantslifesports.com, and yep. we'll have uh, at the bottom of our interview today a link to that, so our listeners don't have to uh, be madly scratching away as they're driving their SUV to the soccer game. Uh, we'll have that link set up for you. So with this uh, daunting, inspiring uh, task, uh, vision ahead of you, um, have you changed the training that you've been doing? Have you been training less and training smarter? What's What's been happening that way, Chad? I've been, I think I've been pulling out averaging weeks between 16 and 20 hours. Okay. Um, everything's slowed down a little bit. So bike rides are, you know, it's like, wow, I didn't go very far. You know, mm-hmm. I'm out here for five or six hours, <laughs> but it's just training that low zone. Yeah. Just building that endurance engine uh, and a lot of bricks. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I suffered from uh, perineal tendonitis. What's that? It's uh, one of these tendons that run down into your foot. Okay. So I had an overuse from last year. So mm. I couldn't run most of the winter, even oh, in the no. spring. Mm. Well, we just spent lots of time on the bike just building up the endurance. Yeah. I mean, let's just, let's just be re- realistic here. <laughs> I'm not, it's not like I'm going to be running all these marathons. Yeah. You're going to be finishing all these marathons. Yeah. Yeah. So... Mm. You know, yeah, it's going to come down to pacing. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you an example of it. They, they asked me on day one, do you think you can uh, make the first flight out of 
Oahu. It's the only, oh. only <laughs> Ironman or Iron Distance of the five days that you have to fly out at night. And they asked me, they said, would you be able to make the early flight? Meaning, could you do a, a sub 13 hour Iron mm-hmm. Ironman yes. that day? And I was like, oh. I, I said, no, I'm going <laughs> to take the late one. No, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm going to go out and I'm mm-hmm. literally going to, you know, pace myself on the bikes. And I'm going to leave myself time on the, on the marathons mm-hmm. that I can, if I have to walk, then yeah. that's, that's fine. Otherwise I, I'll stiffen up like a freaking bored the next day yeah. I know it yeah. I know how I feel after okay. doing an Ironman so multiply that by four and then add yeah. one more day at the end yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so it's going to be all about pacing and yeah so that's really what been working on that in the training tell us about food now it's got to be fascinating I mean when I did the ultra last year I was trying everything whether it was in the water on the bike we had pizza pierogies it was a buffet out there yeah. but uh, what's been working and maybe more interestingly what hasn't been working for you as far as food in the training and the racing during these long distance events you know I think it's one thing I'm lucky over the years I've never had anybody anything that's really turned my stomach mm. you know I'm I'm a, I have a big appetite, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty big guy. So the food side of it is, uh, everything seems to be working. Okay. Any I'm, favorites? Well, as far as, you know, like I'm going to probably be eating a lot of hard boiled eggs. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I'll probably <laughs> literally boil up a couple dozen of them and keep them in the cooler for the five days. I, okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to get quality food, like a Molokai, there's not a lot of options. Mm-hmm. I am, uh, I'm vegetarian. Yes. I do eat eggs and, uh, but I don't eat any meat at all. So, um, so yeah, I'll probably have hard boiled eggs, pizza. Mm. I know I'll be eating pizza. Okay. That, I think that might be, you know, the only option, maybe some noodles, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, you know, going through the swim and, and I'll start eating solids near the end of the bike and, you know, I like CarboPro. Okay. It's tasteless. Yeah. <laughs> to me that, you know what it's like when you're going through, uh, you know, if you're, well, 17, say you're out there, I'm out there for a 17 hour day. Mm-hmm. Anything flavored just is, might be a little bit tough to put down. At least Carbon Pro, you can, you can kind of just get it down. And in the heat too. I mean, that magnifies everything. I yeah. found out, uh, yeah. you know, what tasted good for the first four, five hours, all of a sudden in hour seven plus is just sort of repulsive. And, yeah, and if you, you're not downing the stuff, you're digging yourself a grave. Yeah. And that's, you have to have uh, you know, a little buffet set up in the crew vehicle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, some things you won't touch. I, I'm hoping that fresh fruit's going to go down yeah. well. Yeah. Lots of berries and pineapple, probably mango, mm-hmm. you know, papaya. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be uh, in abundance over there. Absolutely. You know, and uh, maybe some fruit juice. I'll also have, uh, I'll bring a blender with me and I'll, I'll, I'll I will make smoothies. Mm. I use a lot of Vega. Okay. So yeah. I'll definitely have Vega one with me and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, and, and then the protein I'll be sipping on that mm-hmm. all night. Well, yeah, absolutely. Recovery. I mean, over yeah. the course of a five day event, you want to give your body the, the most opportunity it can to, to regenerate itself as much as it can in, in those days. So yeah, like a, a ultra five twenty, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll keep protein just next to my bedside at yeah. night you know as much as you do sleep right? yeah yeah <laughs> you those, wake up in the middle of the night precious moments yeah 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 mm-hmm. so no it's uh just have a buffet and see what happens <laughs> i'm sure i'm going to be feeling pretty crappy at times and yeah peaks we'll and valleys right peaks and valleys exactly what have you learned by doing ultra distance about yourself obviously we talked about peaks and valleys and anybody who's done anything longer well anybody who's done any sports goes through those sorts of things but what have you learned about doing you know through some of those longer distance things things about yourself uh one thing i discovered about myself is i can actually commit to something and see it through i found when i was younger at least i told myself this story that i didn't commit to things and didn't follow through or or give it my best effort so i think uh triathlon in general i mean you know the the ultra ironman and above has taught me that i can actually commit to the training and succeed at it. I never considered myself. I still don't really consider myself a triathlete. I don't really. <laughs> sometimes I feel well, like I, I don't fit the mold. People but, listening to this podcast may yeah, beg yeah. to differ, but, uh, but yeah, you know, and it's just, uh, it is just committing to it and, and, uh, and putting in the time mm-hmm. and it pays off. It's, it's, a, it's just a metaphor. One that I love. I love the metaphor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tell us about your kids. What sorts of things are they up to lately? 
Uh, well, I have a five and a half year old. Mm-hmm. So going into grade one now. She's going into grade one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she finished kindergarten. So she's uh, she's been to she's been going to the ultra finish line here in Penticton since 2013 because she watched Lucy Crosh, uh-huh. cross because I was I was crewing for her. Um, so my wife always brings them down. The kids are always there. <laughs> I wouldn't do it if the kids weren't there at the yeah. finish line. You know, they've been to Hawaii, uh-huh. watched me cross there. They ran across the finish line with me. So my daughter, yeah, she's uh, she's just active. She's into swimming and in the pool. Yeah, she's in the pool <laughs> and just having fun, just mm-hmm. living that childhood. And then I have a, a three-year-old. You know, she's uh, yeah, she's she's a she's a funny one. In the pool yet? Oh yeah, they swim. <laughs> yeah, my oldest one's definitely. Uh, she's very comfortable in the mm-hmm. water. The three-year-old still. She's getting there. Getting there. Yeah, she's getting there. So yeah, my wife. Spends a lot of time, you know, picking up the slack, like on weekends, on Saturdays, you know, going out for these long rides. Mm, yes. You know, uh, Mary Jo. Yeah, with, without with spouses, especially with children, I mean, that would be, you know, game over. Very, very different experience. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it. So, but, you know, it's also important when you're when you're a parent to uh, keep your goals. Mm. Don't give your goals up just yeah. because you have kids. Yeah. There is time to get everything in. There really is. Yeah. And, you know. We are, you know, we're fortunate that we can go out and do these long triathlons and everything. We are, there's, that's a privilege. Absolutely. It yeah. really is. You know, some people I understand they can't, yeah. you know, don't have uh, the means to do it. Yeah, for, for whatever reason, physical, financial, yeah. time-wise, yeah. So, but if you, if you can and, and you love it, then it doesn't matter, what, or anything really, as mm-hmm. long as you have your own goals and, and you go out and show your kids that you can, that you can commit to these goals and, and succeed. So let's have some fun questions here. But before the super fun stuff, uh, if you could offer a person who's maybe done, you've heard this question maybe before, who's done a couple of sprints, maybe uh, an Olympic distance triathlon, thinking of doing the uh, Ironman. We'll we'll put Ultraman away for a minute and just talk Ironman. What three pieces of advice would you give a person who wants to go from, say, an Olympic distance race to Ironman? I think that, well, the first bit of advice I would give somebody would be reframe your thoughts. What does that mean? A lot of people would say, I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> it's that simple. Mm. I mean, how many people do you run across that cannot believe that you finished an ultra? But really, you can. The first the first thing that's going to get you uh, to succeed at that is to change your mindset. Reframe your thought. Say, I can do it. Not, I can't. Okay. I can. And have the confidence in yourself. That's the thing. Let yourself know that you're worthy enough to, to get out there and, and and compete just like every other human being that's out there doing it, Yeah. right? I think that's probably the first thing. And also, there is enough time. You know, a lot of people say that I don't have time. Mm-hmm. There's enough yeah. time. There is. There's early, there are early mornings, lunch times. Yeah. You know, a lot of people go out for lunch or have lunch meetings and that kind of stuff. I don't do any of that. I'm in the pool at lunchtime. We have witnesses. Have, we have witnesses. Yeah, I have an hour. Yeah. I don't stop. I mm-hmm. don't really socialize. I go in. I yeah. do my workout. Mm-hmm. And I work hard at it. Yeah. And then I go back to work. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times I'm asked, hey, do you want to go for lunch mm-hmm. or we, whatever? I, I don't do that kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah. So, you can make time. It's time management. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Just conquer the, the mental aspect, time management. Point number and, three, what would that be? Maybe don't worry about the gear so much. Yeah. Just get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Train the engine. Train yeah. the legs. Train yeah, a lot of people. I mean, and that, for some people, is part of the fun. All yeah. the, you know, colorful yeah. bells and whistles and disc wheel covers and whatever else, paraphernalia, the the gimmick of the week or the month. And, you yeah. know, I mean, that, that sustains us for a while. But at the end of the day, it's it's you in a bloody big long hill. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I, I got a reminder of that more three hours ago, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I did my first Ironman on a... Like a, an old giant mm. road bike. Yeah. You know, I still have it. It's my trainer bike. Yeah. But, mm. you know, I never had it, anybody do a fitting or anything. I did it myself. Yeah. It seemed to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your crotch and your neck will tell you if it's not fitting well, exactly. especially in hour number three and four. Yeah. So here it is, 5.30, Saturday afternoon. Let's say you did do a ride outside and it was 30 degrees. You're rolling into town. You come to your beautiful condo here in Penticton. You've got a fridge. What do you reach for as a post-ride recovery slash reward? Ooh, slash reward. Well, you know, I'd say the reward would have to come a little bit later after I cooled down. But mm-hmm. 
probably if I was going to have, if there was a, a beverage, it would be like uh, like a Lipton iced tea. You know, okay. like the, the, the sugary iced tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. could chug that stuff. Gentle that's, on the stomach and hydrating and cold. Yeah, that's yeah. what I, I actually crave it. And then once that calms down, yeah. I usually want to have a coffee. A coffee? Yeah. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. After every long workout, I right away after I you know, kind of cool down and... I crave a coffee. You're the first person to say yeah. that. Congratulations, Shad. Yeah. What, what's your uh, choice of coffee then? Oh, Starbucks. Starbucks. Dark roast, light roast. Uh, Pike Place. Pike Place, medium okay. Roast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some caffeine. Uh, is it uh, black or do you add cream and sugar? Black. Wow. On the odd occasion, a little bit of soy milk. Interesting. That's it. Yeah. Okay, a coffee. Yeah, I'm a coffee addict. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the last question. So if you could be an animal other than a human being... What would you be, and tell us why? Well, I think I would be. Uh, I think I would be a, a killer whale, mm. an orca. Okay. Yeah. Well, they can swim pretty well. Yeah, it just looks like but they're not free. not vegetarians though. No, but I'd have to. You know, <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be one of those. Uh, you know, like a cow chewing on grass all no. day. So. <laughs> but I would. I do. Uh, you know, the odd time I'll have. I'll have a little bit of salmon. Mm-hmm. If I go to somebody's house for dinner, for mm-hmm. example, you know, if they're cooking salmon, I'll, I don't say, sorry, I won't eat it. I'm, uh-huh. I'm plant-based. Uh-huh. I'm not that strict. So they look like they're swimming free in the mm-hmm. uh, in the ocean and yeah, nobody messes with them. That's right. Apex yeah. predator. Yeah, the wolf packs of the sea, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So, so, yeah. So every time I see the, the, the you know, a family of whales, you know, it's, yeah, it's, nice to see they look like they're they look like they're happy even though mm-hmm. i don't think they're doing that well off the, <laughs> the coast of bc uh, yeah we heard about that one yeah. but uh, a happy successful orca yeah thank yeah. you so much for your time chad all right thanks kevin and once again for our listeners uh you might want to remind those of the epic five and your website one more time it's at plantslifesports.com and then you can click on uh you can follow me on facebook instagram twitter be my wife giving updates it should be giving a lot of updates on, on how the race is going. So, yeah, you can check in there to see how, how I'm progressing. Best of luck on your Epic Five. All right, thanks. Here's your FitSpeak 40 upcoming event schedule. Starting off out in Chilliwack, Tri Events is trying a new race. It's their first ever Donut Dash. It's being held in conjunction with the Chilliwack Fair on Saturday. Yes, Saturday, August the 11th. There's two distances, an 8K and a 4K. You can sign up now for 50 bucks. Go to tryevents.ca. Phoenix Velo Training Group is inviting you, your bike, and three or four of your closest cycling friends to an event at the Mission Raceway on Wednesday, August 29th at 6.30. It's their annual team time trial. You've seen Team BMC crush it at this year's tour. Now, do it yourself. Get three or four of your cycling buddies together, ideally of about the same ability. Then go to the track, get on your bikes, and go as hard as you can for an hour as a group. You'll all want to take a turn on the front, breaking the wind for your bunch, unless someone with the first name of Galen is on your team. Then you can just sit back and pedal for dear life. They're awarding prizes for the team who gets closest to their estimate and for the team with the most creative name. It's going to be a good time. The organizer, Bruce Wenting, says they're having an after-race social and you're invited. Again, that is the Phoenix Velo Team Time Trial and Social, Wednesday, August 29th. If you're somebody who likes to sign up for things way in advance, here's one for you. It's the second annual Mission Half Marathon. The race is being held entirely off-road on the race course at the Mission Speedway. That means no hills, no getting lost. It's on October 27th. By the way, that's another Saturday race. Just Google Mission Half Marathon to sign up for that one. Our friends at the Fraser Valley Trail Runners want to remind you of their second annual Valley Verticiller. It was such a success the first time out, they're adding another distance. This year, you can choose from either the Red-Legged Frog, that's their name for the 16K race, or you can choose the Mountain Beaver, which is a 25-kilometer challenge. The day of the race, also a Saturday race, Saturday, October 20th. But you can sign up now and save some money. Go to valleyverticiller.com. That's valleyverticiller.com. Finally, just a reminder, if you have an event, whether that's a race, clinic, or a new fitness group, 
We want to hear about it. Leave us a comment on our FitSpeak homepage and we'll be in touch with you. And that's your upcoming event schedule. There's a lot of ways you could describe Abbotsford's Vince DiMano. Web developer, entrepreneur, pro soccer player, dad, singer, social activist, elite triathlete. In his 50 years on the planet, Vince has done many things. In this, the final chapter in our eight-segment series, Vince tells us about his new role as a coach for the Abbotsford Triathlon Club and his future in the sport of triathlon. This is Vince Speaks. I got to tell you, the, the, the number one thing that gave me um, a warm, fuzzy feeling is this return to triathlon has come with a number of things. I used to be a lone wolf, totally train alone, very seldom trained with anybody else, occasionally run with a running group, but, but cycling, swimming, totally alone. And so this return to triathlon has come with joining the Abbotsford Triathlon Club and coaching other people. I got the first level in the community coaching with the Tri BC, uh, the, yeah, the triathlon BC. Um, Which you did with Christina and Martin Curran mm -hmm. as well. Martin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun people in there. Yeah. Actually, there's a, we see that group. It was a large group and a lot of fun group. And so we, we see them all at the races, yeah. uh, lot, lots of great people. So, um, so it's been interesting to to turn that around and coach other people and and so um kind of taking on the primary role of coaching christina has been um a very interesting role for me to take on why is that um well because um i've always considered triathlon a very internal thing to do and so for me to then um uh, tell somebody else what to do. I, I, I don't, you, you know, it's a very individual sport. And so telling somebody else what they should do to get better always feels a little bit like, you know, a real strange sort of um, position to be in. And, and there is another unique thing about triathlon. Um, and that is that in soccer, by comparison, the coach doesn't have to be a good player. But in triathlon, there is this unique thing that a coach is generally only respected if they're very good mm. at triathlon themselves. Warrior prince. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's a very weird thing. So, so the knowledge of how to train somebody and how to coach somebody is directly related to your performance. And, and, and I, and I bought into that mindset in some level because here I am, old, fat, slow, <laughs> 10 years out of the sport. I didn't feel like I was worthy. You beat me in the last Olympic distance triathlon. He's full of beans, but 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 please continue, Vince. <laughs> well, you, I think you'll you should watch. Year. You should look at his smile right now. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. We knew this uh, would happen. There are there are small. Is that the, is that the thing you wanted me to say? That was the most satisfying. You thing can last say anything you want. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, so it's, it was interesting to have anybody want to listen to me because that is the thing. If you look at the coaches that are the, the top coaches or the well-known coaches, they're the ones winning triathlons. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not going to win a triathlon. So um, so to be able to impart some of the experience and knowledge onto somebody. And then, um, you know, one of the, the highlights of that was Christina's Olympic race where we had a chat beforehand and um, and. And I gave her some advice on what to do on the run. And she ended up running her fastest 10K ever. In her life. And this includes a standalone 10K amazing performance, which she did at the Mission Hill Stop, uh, the Hatsik, uh, Heritage to Hatsik, which was a great race for her as well. But she went even faster than that, running off the bike. Yeah. Yeah. So so we, we got her to that point. Um, and... Uh, the, the time is irrelevant, but I can tell you that in a, in the space of a year and a half, she took 16 minutes off her 10K time. And her best was at the end of a triathlon, a, a, an Olympic distance triathlon. So so, so that gave me a great uh, uh, amount of joy because, you know, I don't think those improvements are certainly not in my future. And, and you know, the, the, the glory days end. <laughs> they all, they, there is always an end. You know, personal satisfaction is a, is a is a thing that you again like enjoying those moments in life. You, the personal satisfaction doesn't necessarily have to be your satisfaction. It can be 
vicariously through through someone else. And so um, I had coached soccer a little bit when I was younger, and I really enjoyed that. And my dad got joy out of coaching soccer. And I always thought that at some point in my in my life that I would maybe coach my kids or get involved in whatever they were doing and, and, and coach. And it's just a weird sort of alignment of the universe that has me coaching my partner mm. and, and, you know, and, and offering this advice to other people in the triathlon club. Um, but to see uh, a training regimen that lasts for a year and then to have that sort of day of race opportunity to give someone that last word of advice and then to see them succeed is an incredibly mm. satisfying thing as a human being. And she jumps into your arms at the finish line for a reason. I guess you must be a pretty good coach and partner. Uh, well, I think she, uh, that's her way of saying that. Um, she could collapse at the her finish home. line. She <laughs> jumps. I mean, you know, yeah. Christina's five feet two and she jumps another five feet to, to, to meet Vince at the finish line. It's, it's quite the finish line performance if, if you've never had a chance to see it. Let's get serious for a while here, Vince. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Christina, so you are her coach. How would she, in three words, how would she describe Vince the coach? <laughs> because we know you haven't heard the what she said about you. Yeah, well, I, I to use the cleanest language possible, I can say in one she word. Yeah, to jerk. Uh, <laughs> you know, coaches uh, are supposed to take you to a place you can't get to on your own. And so if there's a lot of different coaching styles, just like there's a lot of different leadership styles, you can have the let's do this together. There's the do as I do. There's the I'll support you. There's all these things. But the goal of any style of coaching or leadership, it, the end result should be to take the athlete the individual to a place they can't get to on their own because if they can get to it on their own they don't need you so so if you're choosing a coach out there ladies and gentlemen listening um uh and we hope they are well we i i hope so but they you know you want to look for a coach um that they don't have to be faster than you they don't have to be uh have 50 years of experience but they should give you the idea that they can motivate you into an area you've never been before and um, th then I think that's what a good coach can do. But um, as an athlete, you will go kicking and screaming. <laughs> you will go kicking and screaming. Um, and having the trust and the faith in the coach that uh, what they're asking you to do will bear results um, is your responsibility as an athlete. So if you're in a relationship with somebody like I am with Christina, um, I would have to remind her as <laughs> the as the partner slash boyfriend slash romantic interest in her <laughs> life that she needs to have a little faith and trust in the coach and let the training speak for itself down the road. Mm. And so one of our mantras is, is um, you know, when you're training, you don't feel like you're getting faster. You don't feel like, you know, that you're doing any of that. But we will say often on day of race or leading up to a race, trust the training. Mm. And if you're trusting the training, you're also trusting the coach. And, <laughs> and, the, and the coach is trusting that the athlete has done the work. And if all those things come together, then you'll have a successful uh, you know, relationship. Mm. Yeah. Well said. A uh, couple of more questions. Three words that you would use to describe you <laughs> as a coach, as an <laughs> athlete, as a member of the community in Abbotsford, very tied into the community. Um, what would be three words? Wow, that's a that's a toughie. That is a toughie. Um, you know, I, you know, you mentioned being tied into the community, and um, uh, to pick three words is really hard, though, because, it, you know, and this is way more than three words, and I know you want a three-word answer, um, but uh, I watched my dad, you know, um, growing up, be a part of the community in his way. And, um, um, and he did that in a, in a very methodically and he did it very pragmatically. Uh, he, he measured out his involvement in the community and, uh, for maximum effect. Mm. And, and, you know, I kind of like to do that as well and to boil it down to three words, um, you know, uh, evasive, <laughs> evasive. But it's tough. I, you don't want it to sound. Uh, I, I don't want it to sound too egotistical. But there's a there's maybe even a little story around that because, you know, you can't always be humble on the inside 
You know, if you want to succeed in triathlon, mm. you have to believe that you can succeed. You, you can't say that I'm going to finish an Ironman and then not believe that you can finish an Ironman. And so if you're leading your life by that same sort of principle, then you have to believe some things about yourself. And, and one of, you know, if I had to pick three words about myself, I, I know that one would be tireless. Okay. You know, I give up sleep for, mm. for almost any excuse. <laughs> Um, I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's a very long sleep coming in about 40 years. Uh, knock on wood. <laughs> um, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give that, uh, I'll give up sleep anytime. So, so tireless. I, I also really like to take the absolute most positive path in life. Even if that path ends in failure, I'll, I'll shoot for the, the brass ring of positivity. Mm. So, you know, you, if you could boil that down into one word, that'd be great. I don't know what you would boil that down into but um but i i always think that it's worth stretching yourself in into the positive even if you think you'll fail you know there's a old story uh, um and i can't remember who who said it but he said i'm going to be a millionaire by the time i'm 30 and all of his friends said no you're not no you're not and he said well i mean if i'm only worth 900,000 <laughs> did i fail <laughs> yeah. so you know set those set that uh, you know so maybe you know i'm a constant goal setter and i'm also a constant self evaluator so uh, you know you also if you're going to set goals that are maybe un unattainable you have to know what your limitations are and and, um, and, and if, if the brass ring is out of reach, mm. you at least have to know how hard you can try mm. to get there. Reflect, and, uh, revise, have another beer. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yin and yang to life, mm. too. It's not all about hard work. Mm. You know, uh, sometimes those goals are totally different than what you think they're going to be when you start out. You, you, you know, but there's joy in all of the effort. Nothing truly joyful in life comes easy. Those uh, The people that win the lottery... More power to them, but then they still have that hard work of going out and spending Ooh, the money. You gotta so, do it somehow. Yeah. Let's talk about the joy of a bike ride and a happy ending. So here's the situation: you've uh, month of May. It's not raining in Mission or Abbotsford, anywhere. You go on your favorite bike ride. You're out there doing your thing. You're in the zone. The light speed is humming, and your lungs are wonderful. You finish the bike ride. You rack it at home or wherever it is. What is your beverage of choice at that fantasy finish line after a glorious day of training? <laughs> uh, well, this is where Christina and I are simpatico. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because we would both opt for mm -hmm. a beer and a plate of French fries. Absolutely. Any favorite places? Well, um, you know, a few, but they're 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 far afield as well. Uh, mm -hmm. We do have some wonderful places in Abbotsford uh, that uh, some um, some brew houses. And uh, I know you also enjoy going to Fieldhouse. Mm. They have a salted black porter there that's uh, pretty darn good. It's a it's, um, uh, little side note that there are as many carbohydrates in a beer as there is in Gatorade. Huh. So if you really want to refuel... We have to think about electrolytes. Maybe we can add electrolytes. salt. Yeah. Mm. You know, in, 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 in Britain, they give people in the hospital a pint of Guinness. Huh. Because of the electrolytes and, and the, the iron uh, and the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. really good for you. Mm -hmm. So if anybody says you shouldn't yeah. have alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hydrate properly. Mm -hmm. Hydrate properly. Get that water bottle into mm -hmm. you. And then go and have a beer. And whether it's Field House or um, Mission Springs, mm. they've, they've all got good beer. You just need to find the flavor that's right for mm -hmm. you. And then enjoy responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Vince. Thank you, Kevin. Great it was a lot here. of fun. Thank you. I'm Zach Newfeld, and this is Between the Ears. If you trained for a race, you probably know that the race day can be bittersweet. A lot of the fun is in dreaming about that glorious day coming. It gets sooner every day, like a kid looking forward to Christmas morning. In many ways, looking forward to race day is more enjoyable than the day itself. Just thinking about it, we spend more time anticipating and moving towards race day than actually racing. The last part of Between the Ears Mental Toughness series is using long-term goals as the source of motivation. A study in The Sports Psychologist called A Framework of Mental Toughness in the World's Best Performers investigated the definition of mental toughness and its dimensions. The researchers sampled athletes and coaches at the top of their sports. 
They defined mental toughness as having the natural or developed psychological edge that enables you to generally cope better than your opponents with the many demands that sports places on a performer, while being more consistent and better than your opponents in remaining determined, focused, confident, and in control under pressure. One of the dimensions of mental toughness in the study was using long-term goals as the source of motivation in training. According to the study, mentally tough athletes do two things. They keep themselves going by reminding themselves of goals and aspirations, knowing why they are putting themselves through tough training that physically and mentally may not go their way. They are also patient, disciplined, and have self-control at each step in their development towards their full potential. More specifically, these athletes kept motivational levels high despite years of hard work because they had a high resolution idea of what they wanted, why they wanted it, and why they wanted it more than to quit. Simply put, the equation balanced out on the let's do it end of things. These athletes knew what was achievable in a specific time frame and didn't dream of the impossible. They were resolved to train by a high resolution plan. Honesty was also key. Participants in the study knew how much and where they could improve. Better still, they could see the future. The steps and timeframes for their goals were clear. This also makes sense in terms of the underlying biology of our behavior. Brain structures involved in motivation have been shown to tune our perceptions towards our goals. Relevant tools stick out to us in the pursuit of our goals. For example, when we're hungry, our minds organize themselves to get food. Life becomes meaningful in relation to getting food. In psychoanalysis, this motivational state is like a micro-personality inside of us. Reward pathways, which operate on the neurotransmitter dopamine, reinforce and reward our learning so we experience pleasure as we climb the ladder of success towards our goal. Appetite of behavior happens when we pick a goal. Our want of the goal increases our attention and serves as a motivational magnet. Motivation seems to have a spiritual side as well. To Plato in his Symposium on Love, he conceptualized love as the highest god, the one above all the others. In our psyches, love could be said to be the highest mode of being, the one that runs the whole show. To Plato, he argued that love is on top. He says that love is not complete in itself. It has an object. It isn't necessarily beautiful in itself, but it seeks something beautiful. And that the process of love is the pursuit of the good, of order and quality. To Plato, love is like a musician seeking to play a piece of music really well from his soul. It's like a swimmer perfecting her stroke. To summarize, motivation seems to have psychological, biological, and spiritual dimensions. A study showed what mentally tough athletes do, and biological research seems to explain how we're rewarded in goal-seeking behavior. And lastly, Plato nearly 2,500 years ago described the experience of the spiritual pursuit of motivating love. Thanks for listening. I'm Zach Neufeld. And that's it for another edition of Fitspeak, the Fraser Valley's only wellness, fitness, and endurance sports podcast. Fitspeak is brought to you by Wentings in Mission. Your Wentings word of the week is Thomas. Fitspeak is also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Take your first step to the finish line by starting with TriJoy. See the link at the bottom of this page to get in touch and to get going. I'd like to thank special guest ultra-endurance athlete Chad Bentley. Remember, you can help Chad and his charities by going to his website. It is plantslifesports.com. Once again, plantslifesports.com. Join us next time when we'll be featuring local swimming sensation Shea Gaudette. Kevin Watt will be back for social media shout-outs. Zach Newfeld explores the connection between the mind and the body in Between the Ears. For all of us here at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.